Good afternoon. My name is Ronald Colby, and my book right now is Night Driver. And I'm Gary T. McDonald, and my book is uh, The Gospel of Thomas the Younger. And I'm really happy to be here with Ron because I read your book and I really enjoyed it. Oh, well, thank you. I'm in awe, you know, a guy that dropped out of, uh, out of Sunday school or whatever uh, at 12. Uh, you know, the idea of pulling off something like that is quite impressive. And uh, so my hat's off to you. Well, you know, we have a lot of things in common, it seems. Uh, it seems that we both started our lives or our professional lives as actors, and we both ended up as novelists. But in between, we both made documentaries and movies, and uh, I made my docs early on, and it seems you're making your docs now later, later in your career. So um, we can talk all about that if you want. Okay, well, uh, yeah, I started the doc thing maybe 35 years ago, but I only made a couple and I was uh, really a hired gun on them. I was a cameraman and uh, producer. And uh, it's only recently that I started making things myself. And, uh, but I at least had that skill set uh, sitting in my back pocket and that was helpful. And how about you? Well, I was just going to ask you the same thing. How did you? How did it feel helpful? I mean, how did the doc work, if it did, feed into your novel writing? Well, uh, I'm not so sure. You know, I wrote plays and I wrote screenplays, of course, with not a lot of luck, although I made a little bit of money here and there doing it. But uh, I, I don't know. You know, the documentary thing, I just backed into again uh, after I had, um, I wrote a screenplay about Captain Paul Watson, the founder of the Sea Shepherd Conservation Society. And uh, he kept saying to me, uh, I couldn't get it going anywhere. This was 25 years ago. Uh, and the environmental movement didn't quite have the cachet it does now. And, but he would, keep saying, well, hey, you know, we're going off to, uh, you know, this island off of Scotland and uh, we're going to buy it and we're going to protect the seals and this and why don't you come along? And, well, you know, I got a couple of meetings next week and everything. And these things were long commitments, uh, a month, two months, sometimes longer. And finally he asked me to go on one uh, campaign down to Costa Rica to stop the shark finners and I thought you know I got a camera I'm not all that busy I'm gone and uh, I wound up going with him for five years which uh, off and on you know which constituted a major investment on my part and uh, anyway it, it did well you know went to tell you right and so on and so forth but uh, so I got the bug you know where you could at least not sit on your ass, but make something, you know, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and how it segued into uh, the, I started this book low 30 years ago, and I keep getting a job or this or that. And, you know, you'd go away for three months, and then you'd come back and 
lots of times you just didn't bother trying to get back into it and uh, another year would go by. But So finally, it was very much like uh, being fed up uh, with trying to get Paul's film going. I just said, uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and finish this thing and take some months off. And I did. It's so similar for me. I was a playwright. I did my master's degree in playwriting. And then uh, just through an odd set of circumstances, got this job making documentaries for this criminal justice institute in Texas. And it was in this town, Huntsville, Texas, where the prison is. And I was in and out of the prisons for years doing docs there and met all these convicts. And I always wanted to write a novel. So I tried writing a novel about one of these convicts and just utterly failed. And then it was it wasn't until years later, having used um, all of that information and all that uh, documentary kind of uh, background to write a screenplay that I sold to 20th Century Fox, that then I had this whole screenwriting career that ended up at finally accomplishing writing this novel. So it, it, our experiences seem kind of alike but different. Yeah, it's a circuitous path, and uh, who's to say that's not the way it should go, you know? Well, we also have Venice in common, because I've lived in Venice for like 25 years now, and your book is is set largely in Venice, or all around L.A., but, but there's a lot in Venice, and um, you've seen, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure you've seen the best and worst of Venice. Yeah, when I came out here uh, first in 1967, not to date myself, uh, you know, the POP was still up but not operating. And uh, that was, I was that's also. The, that's the Pacific Pier, the Pacific Pier? Uh, Pacific Ocean Park. That's what it was. And uh, I was also a surfer. And, uh, you know, I would look at this phantasmagoric place and uh, then I would sneak in like uh, like a lot of the young people back in the day and just look at it. And it, it was great looking at that place. And I was sorry to say it come down. And, you know, we've seen Venice go through a lot of uh, transitions, obviously. And uh, yeah, uh, you know that. Uh that wonderful movie about the surfing, uh, the documentary about the, the surf life in Venice. Uh, what is Dogtown? Uh, yeah. The yeah. Dogtown Boy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mostly skateboarders. But yeah. It's a great doc. My kids were on the periphery of that and they know some of those guys. And uh, my son had his son out to a restaurant not long ago. And uh, I can't remember his name, but one of the major surfboard designers and original Dogtown Boys was there. And uh, he said, you know, uh, to his wife, you know, take uh, Cooper over there and get a picture with this guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they, yeah. uh, the guy was very friendly. And uh, so it's times have rolled on here. They have, they have. You know, what else was a, a, a big thing in Venice was uh, Roger Corman. Now, I know you spent most of your movie life at the top end, but I spent mine at the bottom end. And I did a film for Corman at that studio in Venice. Were you ever over there? Well, I worked for Roger on one film and I made the mistake of uh, 
leaving early because I had a documentary to make. And uh, these people kept saying, we got to go, we got to go. And uh, finally I said, I'm ready to go. Uh, I left Roger uh, one week before. It was a feature film called The Student Nurses. (laughs) And uh, yeah, exactly that. So uh Roger you know put me on his do not call list after that but uh I, I I should have stayed with him and uh and the documentary the people changed the subject matter at the last minute when I went in there to begin so it was not the smartest move and uh, I learned a lot about uh keep the loyalty thing going well yeah and um it's an interesting place to work. Uh, they call it Corman University, and and uh, your old fr- friend and uh, colleague uh, Francis Ford Coppola, I think, st- got his start there too. Were you on Dementia Thirteen? No, I wasn't. Uh, I was back in New York at the time. He had made one or two other little things before that. Uh, a sort of soft porn thing he was called in to do. And uh, he doesn't talk about that, but uh, it was very naive considering what's going on today. But uh, Dementia 13, you know, he was a he was a smart guy and still is. And he uh, managed to pull that off, you know, right while I was in college in graduate school. I wound up going to, I don't know where you want your master's, but I got my master's at MIU, and uh, that was a different place and time. And unfortunately, I did it in theater rather than film, which would have been the prudent thing to do. Well, I did the same thing. I was at SMU in Dallas, and that was a, I was in the theater program there as a playwright. So, so we have, that is a, something that we both share. Yeah. yeah. My uh, Corman film was um, an adaptation of Jack London's The Seawolf, of all things. And it was a, a, a travesty production in the sense that, you know, it was meant to be contemporary with lots of sex and violence, which, of course, is not in the original novel. But but Stacy Keach played uh, Wolf Larsen in it, and it was a lot of fun to do. Yeah, well... You had a good piece of talent there, at least, you know, so that's not something that's dealt. Well, he was he was still doing some student nurse kind of movies at that time. But he he had this one idea where he wanted to do uh, contemporary uh, updates of modern classics. And he had uh, the set for Carnosaur 3 already built and it was a ship set. So we wanted to make one more film on that ship set. And at the last minute, got me to uh, to do this Siebel uh, adaptation, which like, was pretty crazy. Yeah. Did you direct it? Was I it... did. I did. Oh, congratulations on that. Even in retrospect, you know, it's a big accomplishment. And uh, especially dealing with the budgets he had and stuff like that. So. Oh, yeah, it was the classic, uh, we'll give you 24 days to shoot this, and then a week before shooting saying, oh, by the way, we've reduced it to 17. Yeah, of course. Uh, I say of course, but yeah, that's the way it goes. Uh, Where in Venice do you live? What part of town? Well, uh, right off Lincoln Boulevard across from Cafe 50s, which is no longer Cafe 50s. 
if you if you know what I'm talking about. I do. I do. Thank you. It, it burned recently. Well, about a year ago now, and so it's it's not open anymore. But that's that's about where I live. So I think we know somebody else in common too, uh, probably, and that's Fred Ruse. Yeah. Well, Fred, I know quite well. You know, having worked with Francis all of these years, and uh, he has uh, Francis is casting Maven. You know, it's done quite well that way. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't. I don't know him very well. We had one meeting. There, there was a time when Sean Penn was just crazy to play the singer-songwriter Phil Oaks. Yeah. And, and I was called in to uh, pitch a, a take on that story uh, and met him. And uh, that Fred Bruce, that is. And, uh, of course, it didn't go anywhere. Uh, and uh, now I guess Sean's too old to play the part. But... Uh, it, it, it was a promising project, as many of them are. Sure. Yeah. Well, Fred's got good taste, and he's got his fingers in a lot of pies. And unfortunately, or whatever, he hasn't pulled a lot of uh, his own projects out of the fire. But he's had a great career with Francis and uh, cast, you know, did some incredible casting, which as... Uh, Ilya Kazan would tell you, you know, that's 90% of good directing. And uh, so he pulled some good people out of the hat. For sure. For sure. It's, uh, we've both then seen, speaking of the heartbreaks of films falling apart, you've mentioned a couple already, and I certainly have had a few, more than a few that fell apart. And uh, it leads me to novel writing because that's the ultimate uh, revenge is, you know, not having to depend on anybody and just to sit down and do what you want to do and write it the way you want to write it. And um, I found it just totally liberating after 20 years in the movie business. Yeah, well, absolutely. You know, I started this thing, like I said, all those years ago, and I'm enough of a prostitute uh, to not have an objection to doing a haircut of my own material and trying to sell it in one guy or another, which is part of the deal in this business. And uh, so I tried to, you know, I sent this outline and part of what I had written out. And, you know, one guy said, oh, you know, I can sell this to HBO and let me just write an outline. I said, well, I got an outline. He said, no, no, let us do it. Well, Seven months went by, and then CBS did some uh, TV series. I can't remember the name of it. And, it. and that ran for two years. And he said, you know, sorry, Ron. And then I, one other thing, I tried to write a comedy on it, uh, just the idea of a taxi cab company. And I went around pitching it here and there. And it was called Taxi Taxi. And the next thing I know, uh, there was Taxi. And yeah. that pitch, you know, and so the final injustice was uh, I wrote to the head of the documentary department at uh, HBO, and I had a little bit of cachet by that time, had done several documentaries, and I said, oh, you know, being in a cab's like being in a confessional, and there's this intimacy, and so on. Next thing you know, there's taxi cab confessions, and so I said, I mean, like six months later, and. Uh, so I said to my uh, late wife, I said, that's it. 
I'm locking the door, sitting down, I'm going to finish this book, and uh, then nobody can mess with it, you know, so mm -hmm. that's, that's what happened. Well, it, it is a wonderful book, and um, it, it carries that same sort of, it's the L.A. sort of version of what I remember of Taxi Driver with um, that great scene where Scorsese's in the back seat and talking to De Niro, and I, I, that same kind of vibe kind of permeates your book for me anyway. Yeah, well, I enjoyed writing it and uh, the episodic nature of it and so on and so forth, and I'm glad I did it. Uh, you know, having been down the road with that thing a couple of times trying to sell it in one guise or another, people said, well, are you going to go out and you're going to, you know, try to get it to Netflix and this and that? I went, I don't care. And so I, at, this, uh, at the point where, you know, you've been around the block so many times with something, you just don't care. Well, I'm sure something will happen with it, uh, but I'm not out. Uh, pounding the pavements. I'm ready to move on to what's next. What is next? Do you write plays anymore or, or would you write another novel or what? You know, I don't write plays anymore, um, but I have, I have an assistant that's lucky enough to finally find a woman who's looking for another job, but she's helping me out part time and she's just comes in, hikes up her skirt, sits down and works from 10 to 3 without taking a sandwich or, or a cup of coffee or anything. I'm really going to miss her when I do lose her. But make a long story short, I wrote a play way back in the early 60s called John Wilkes Booth. Mm -hmm. And it was a full-length two-act play, and uh, it was produced by the... Chelsea Theatre Group, which was uh, then, you know, oncoming thing for a, for a couple of years anyway. And uh, while it opened during the newspaper blackout, uh, you probably don't remember this, but in New York, this guy Quill, odd name for a newspaper thing, he, he you know, pulled the plug on, on the printers. Well, he did that twice. He did it once on my play, and then he did it once not long after that with my first and only Broadway play, uh, Peter Yusinov's Photo Finish. Oh, no. The plug on that. And uh, fortunately, Yusinov had a little more uh, momentum than me, so he ran for six months. But uh, despite that, but that was the uh, just a uh, Side note, that was the uh, beginning of the New York Review of Books. Mm -hmm. As people couldn't, you know, get reviews, they couldn't do this. So a lot of the writers banded together and put together the New York Review of Books. And it's still going today. And uh, I'm a subscriber, although I have trouble reading even one copy or even, you know, a couple of reviews in it. But it's, it's a wonderful paper. They're also publishing novels now, too, which is very interesting. And I just happen to be reading one of their novels right now, which is really, really good. It's called All for Nothing, and it's a German novel, but uh, I'll plug it because I'm reading it and I'm enjoying it. Well, there was an American book uh, with that same title about these guys during the... Uh, 1900s anyway, they, they robbed a train up in the Pacific Northwest thinking there was a lot of gold on it. 
and they wound up killing a lot of people and uh, so on and so forth. But I happened to read that book, so interesting. And it it's difficult to find a title that, you know, hits a gong where you think, uh, oh, I got this. So when I was writing Night Driver, I was coming up with different titles and I made the mistake of looking, searching for the uh, title of Night Driver on IMDb. And there was a German film that nobody ever saw. And uh, I said, well, this is clear. I can do that. Well, I went to the Barnes and Noble afterwards and I said, uh, would you look up Night Driver? And she said, which one? And then, <laughs> there are like six books called Night Driver. And, uh, but whatever. So, the, talk about things that, that hurt hurt your novel like that or like a press strike when, when you have a, a play coming out. And uh, I, I remember asking uh, somebody, what, what could kill my book? you know, the week it comes out. And they said, well, if we have another terrorist attack that week. And I thought, well, you know, what are the odds? Uh, but what we have instead is Trump. And Trump something sucking up the oxygen of everything so that all the movies and books coming out right now are having a hard time penetrating the consciousness of, or, uh, you know, becoming part of the consciousness of the public because that air is just sucked out of the room by politics right now. Don't yeah. you find I, I I do. It's hard to, um, you know, I, I don't even know what to say about this guy, but it's hard to, it's like the O.J. Simpson thing, you know, when I, I, it was starting, you know, and he was driving the van and everything. So I took my bicycle, I rode down to the marina and I was going along and I saw O.J. Simpson being led away out of the van in handcuffs. I said, that's it. I'm not going to watch anything about O.J. Simpson uh, until the verdict. Well, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. every dinner party, every this, every conversation. And one time I was at this dinner party and we actually ate the entire meal and this woman said, do you know there's a first tender party I've ever been to where nobody mentioned O.J. Simpson? And then it was natter, natter, natter till the evening ended. Uh -huh. uh, so when I was, I was producing a movie for um, uh, Masterpiece Theater, the American Collection, and we were out in this town called Washington, Iowa, which was a couple of silos and an old bar that had been opened for, you know, the trains used to stop there to water and everything, but there was nothing going on. But the bar was still open. And at 12 noon, I went in, or before 12 noon, I went into the bartender and I said, bartender, I said, you know, would you mind if I brought my crew in here and uh, you turn your TV on at 12 o'clock? He looked at me quizzically and said, no. So I went out and I brought 30 guys and a few women into the bar at 12 and when he turned on the TV and this farmer sitting over there in suspenders on this old dusty table, he said, what you boys want to watch on that TV? I said, the OJ Simpson verdict. And they all just 
pooed it with their hands. And uh, then, of course, you know, there was a verdict. But uh, it's interesting. So this guy, uh, I'm going to wrap my dialogue up here, but uh, it reminds me of uh, Bob, where I'm at right now, reminds me of uh, some lyrics from this Bob Dylan song. Uh, Things have changed and times are strange. I'm locked in and I'm out of range. Nice <laughs> there, but things have changed. And that's pretty much where I'm at. It's like, just, it's like watching the Disney show. That's a great song. You know, they used that song in uh, the movie of uh, Michael Chabon's uh, novel, Wonder Boys. Good film. Yeah. Nice too. Good luck with your book. I mean, uh, I'll come back to the, my opening comments. I'm, I'm in awe of it. Uh, I really read uh, more than I wanted to uh, going along with, you know, are, are you a religious guy? Oh, no. Uh, the, the whole point of my book is that, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of myth-making going on, that, that Jesus was this real guy, but uh, there was a lot of myth-making going on after him. And and um, but that the, there's some truth in what uh, and value in what he taught that could help us with our lives. But oh. I'm a I'm a Buddhist myself. I'm not, I'm not a Christian at all. Okay. Well, I wanted to prepare myself for that. Uh, but anyway, I'm a sort of Bill Maher atheist myself. But uh, well, you'll find yourself in good company with the book. Then it's uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Okay, I've enjoyed it so far, and uh, well, good luck with it, and I'll look forward to hearing from you. Okay, take care then, Ronald. I'm Gary T. McDonald, and my book again is The Gospel of Thomas the Younger. I am Ronald Colby, and uh, my novel is Night Driver. <laughs>